Don't worry, I took my hearing aids out so the microphone won't knock them loose and create feedback again. My name is Vince, I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, it's been a very exciting last 10 or 15 minutes, so let's, let's pray and ask the Lord for help here. Father, what a joy to be with your people this morning. We need you now as we approach your word. We need you to open our eyes, open our hearts. Lord, still the distractions in our minds, still the chaos that is around us and that we can even indulge in in our own mind and heart right now so that we might behold you in your glory and your son in his grace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to be in Revelation 7 this morning. And if you are an astute reader, you're saying, what happened to 6? Don't worry, we're going to cover 6. It is one of the wrath instances, and we're going to cover that all together as one. So Revelation chapter 7, starting in verse 1. After this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth, that no wind might blow on the earth <clears throat> or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth and sea, saying, Do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe, of the sons of Israel. 12,000 from the tribe of Judah were sealed. 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben. 12,000 from the tribe of Gad. 12,000 from the tribe of Asher. 12,000 from the tribe of Naphtali. 12,000 from the tribe of Manasseh. 12,000 from the tribe of Simeon. 12,000 from the tribe of Levi. 12,000 <clears throat> from the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 from the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 from the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 from the tribe of Benjamin were sealed. After this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God saying, Amen! Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes and from where 
have they come? And I said to them, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They will hunger no more, neither thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of the Lord. Father, bless the preaching of your word. So in Star Wars, They've got these amazing doors, right? And as you, it's kind of like the supermarkets nowadays. You walk up, they got that from Star Wars, if you didn't know that. Uh, you walk up, the doors open automatically. They close behind you. You can lock them, and you're, you're a little bit secure. But like when stuff pops off, right? When, when it gets gnarly outside, what do they have? They have the blast doors. And the blast doors are thick, reinforced concrete. They come from like every which way. They're multiple layers. And, and when they're closed... There's no getting in. They are, you are secure, right? When they seal, you are, you are inside and you are protected from the war outside, from the battle, from the lasers, from, from the, the torpedoes. You are safe once the blast doors are closed. Our text today is like the blast doors for a Christian. Okay, this text here today is given to us to show us that we are secure because we've been sealed. We've been sealed. You see, Revelation comes in the midst of, of what, what's happening in chapter 6. The, the Lamb is opening the seals, right? And, and judgment is being poured out on the world. And between the sixth and the seventh seal, there's an interlude. And that's where chapter 7 comes. And, and we hear the ceiling of the 144,000. And we see the security of the, the multitude that no one can number in eternity. It's meant to give us encouragement. It's meant to, to, to give us hope. To show us that, that all of the judgments outside, all of the chaos, the pain... Through all of that, the Lamb's people are secure. They are secure. This passage shows us that Jesus seals and secures His people for eternity. We're going to see this in two parts. Okay, these, these two parts are two places and two times, okay? The, the first part is going to be here on the earth in, and in the present time, in, in, even in real time, if you will. It's happening right now. It's happened in the past. It will happen in the future until the Lord brings history to an end. And that's when the second one, the second part comes in. 
And that place is around the throne in eternity. So we're going to be looking at it under those two headings. Again, the first is in the sin-torn world. And the second, it's in the new heavens, the new earth, you could say. It's, It's where we're gathered around the throne. And these two places and two times show with utmost clarity that Jesus seals and secures his people for eternity. So let's jump in. Verse 1. After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds, that no wind might blow on earth or sea or against any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun with the seal of the living God, and he called with a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the earth, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea or the trees until we have sealed the servants of our God on their forehead. All right, so again, the placement of it. That's the first thing we see. The placement of this passage is on the earth, okay? John looks and he sees these four angels and they're holding back the four winds of the earth so that nothing would befall the earth or the sea or the trees. Let's just say the world. Creation. Until the people of God are sealed. So what does this mean? Well, it means that that these guys, that that the angels are holding back the final judgment. Okay, These, these four guys are likely the four horsemen that we see with the first few seals that are opened up in chapter six. All right, and they're holding them back. They're holding back judgment until the people of God would be sealed. So what is this seal? What is it mean to be sealed? And what purpose does the seal serve? So we'll take those questions in order. So the first one, what is the seal? Is it the same as the book that the Lamb is opening? Maybe, maybe not. But we're told later in Revelation 14 that the seal is the name of the Lamb and His Father. Okay, so, so that's the seal that they're going and they're sealing people on, the, on their forehead. The people on the earth. The seal is contrasted with what we see in, in Revelation 13. The mark of the beast, right? And, and the mark, it's a different word. There, there are two words going on there. And the mark is something that, that's more like a brand or even like a carving. Like it's, it's cut into you. One denotes, they both denote ownership, but in a different way. The mark would be one that treats you like cattle. You're there for amusement, sport, food, maybe wealth if you can sell it. You're there for slaughter, ultimately. Here in America, we love steaks, we love hamburgers. The the cows that we brand, where do they go? They go to slaughter. That's the picture of Revelation 13 there. Not so with the seal of the living God that marks his people. Yes, it it denotes ownership. But not only ownership. It denotes God's covenant with his people. If it's his name, Yahweh, it's his covenant name. 
marked on his covenant people. Oh, man. Just think about that for a second. And then we're told in Scripture that what is the seal of God? It's, it's the Holy Spirit, right? And so, so it's, it's His covenant name, and then it is God Himself covenanting with His people, living within them, in, like, like inhabiting His temple by His Spirit. That is what it means to be sealed. That's what the seal is. God Himself is the seal the mark of the king, the ring of his signet, and he's marking his people. Second question, what does it mean to be sealed? A great deal, but it means first, we are God's. Claimed by him, marked by him. The seal of the living God is meant to denote the people of God from the people of the beast. It's a division, if you will. It is him saying, these are mine. It's also a division of those that he has set his love on. What a great grace that is. The seal of the living God is not just ownership, though. It shows he has authority over us, and no one else does. The seal of the living God carries with it his authority. The, the beast can't touch the people that have been sealed. The, the judgment cannot touch the people that have been sealed. Why? Because only God can touch his people that have been sealed. That's what it means, that, that authority, that ownership. And make no mistake about it, church, he owns us. It's very clear in the original language here. The, 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 the word marked servant or translated servant here, it's doulos. It means slave. But there's a distinction here between those who are owned as slaves by the living God. And again, Looking forward to chapter 13, those who are owned as slaves by the beast. God's ownership brings with it protection at the cost, at the cost of the lamb. It brings with it provision. It's not just a, yes, they're mine, I own them, I can do with them what I please. No, when, when you are bought by God, when you are brought into God's family and sealed with the seal of the living God, He protects us. He identifies Himself with us. We don't only carry the seal of the living God. Because of that seal, we carry this renewed image of God where he is pleased to be identified by those he has sealed. He's not ashamed to be associated with those bearing his seal. And he plainly marks them as his, clearly dividing them. From the others. The seal finally means that just as none could open the scroll sealed with the seven seals, no one could remove those seals but the lion of the tribe of Judah, no one can remove the seal from the forehead 
of those that the Lord has sealed once it's been affixed. No one. Once God affixes his seal on one of his slaves, he himself will not remove it. Great cost was applied to that seal being affixed. It is there for eternity. For eternity we will carry the seal of the living God on our forehead. So now to our third question. What purpose does it serve? The fact that the angels are at the four corners of the earth and, and, and this other angel is coming from the sun with the seal descending to the earth shows that our sealing takes place on this world. This is the first place that we see our eternal security illustrated on the earth. We're sealed and the seal leads us to security in the face of trial and persecution and suffering and pain. If we bear the seal of the living God on the earth, nothing can touch us except what the Lord allows for our good and for his glory, including our suffering. This means that the judgments that are going to be released when the seals are opened, they can't touch his servants. They cannot touch his saints. See, death may touch us. Poor health may touch us. Loss and uncertainty may touch us. But judgment will never touch us. The seal of the living God is the guarantee of that. Untouchable by the judgment. We cannot be touched unless God touches us. And his touch will never be in judgment to those he has sealed. Where do you need to hear these words today, Christian? Is there loss? Are you grieving because the effects of sin have taken someone? Know today that the seal of the living God on them means they were not taken in judgment. Even if the worst thing in our world comes the worst in eternity will not for those that bear the seal are you uncertain about how things will work out for a loved one who's battling sickness know that they are sealed with the seal of the living God and if they are they cannot be touched by judgment, stand secure and encouraged in that. The seal means they're secure. The purpose of the seal is to show us that God can be trusted with our lives. We may not get what we want, but we will get all we need. We get love, companionship, identity, protection, all from God. And he proves it by sealing us. And he holds off judgment until all of his servants are sealed. See, not only do 
that we get what we don't deserve, but we, we don't get what we do deserve. The seal protects us from judgment. That is grace. Now look, I know you're all wondering, what about the 144,000? What? A, come on, Vince. Come on. All right, look, real quick. It, this, it, takes, it would take a while, okay? If you want a more full explanation of this, call me. We'll grab a coffee. I can go through it with you. But trust me, there are a number of textual details here that lead me to the conclusion that the 144,000 and the great multitude are one and the same. Okay, so the 144,000 is just a representation of all of God's people from Israel to the church to, to all, everyone who comes to Christ. And it's a, it's a symbolic meaning for the 144,000 from every tribe of the sons of Israel. Okay, The main point here is, is not necessarily the 144,000. It's the sealing of the servants of God. That is what this text is aiming at. And you can be, you can be sure about the effect of that sealing. They are sealed, and since Jesus seals and secures his people to, for eternity, we now move to our second point. Sealed for eternity. Verse 9, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out, with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This great multitude that no one could number. Again, they're the same group from every tribe and nation and people and language. Gathered before the throne of God in the land. Standing there. Verse 6 ends with this question. It says, the great day of their wrath, that is God and the Lamb, has come. Who can stand? The sealed will stand. They will stand before God and around His throne. The sealing on the earth ends with security in heaven. The sealed will be secure enough to stand before God. Because what the seal accomplishes, the great multi-ethnic people of God which no one could count are those who can stand in the face of the wrath of the Lamb. That's what the seal accomplishes. There's no need to hide from Him. He loves us. He knows us. He sealed us. He secures us so that we stand before Him proclaiming evermore salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We, we cross of grace will be a portion 
of that innumerable multitude standing before the throne. Why can I say that? Because we've been sealed with the seal of the living God. Then the angels and the elders and the living creatures, they fell face down. But there's no mention of this multitude falling down. We do later, yes. But at this moment, we stand secure. Because the seal of the living God is on our forehead. That's the kind of eternal security that the Lamb provides for His people. That's the effect of the seal of the living God being placed on our foreheads. They fall down, but we stand and proclaim, Amen! Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen! The sealing work of the Holy Spirit secures His people for eternity. And what are the effects of that seal? What does that eternity look like? We see it described in verses 15 through 17. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He who sits on the throne will shelter them with His presence. They shall hunger. No more. Neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd. And He will guide them to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. You know, earlier this week, Ricky told me that, that scholar D.A. Carson says most of the time, heaven is described in the negative. And you're like, what? It sounds pretty good to me. No, the negative as in what's not there. See, we've, we've grown so accustomed to so many things on, on this planet that it's described as, hey, this, this won't happen there. The thing you're used to, being hungry, being thirsty, being hot, having to, to, to work and toil for your food, it's, it's gone. The crying, gone. It's not there. That is amazing. We could, we could summarize this by saying the curse has been reversed. Okay, in heaven there is no curse. In eternity there will be no curse for those who are sealed and stand secure before the Lord. What an encouragement! God Himself will shelter us with His presence. The Lamb Himself will be our shepherd and will lead us. And finally, God will wipe away every tear from every eye. look out here and I see people that I know have cried tears. So what does it mean that God will wipe away every tear 
from your eye. Well, first, I want you to know that it means your tears have meaning to the Lord. Psalm 56 tells us that he puts our tears in a bottle. And on this day before the throne, when we are secure because we've been sealed, God will wipe them away. It doesn't mean he causes us to forget the hurts. It doesn't mean that he's like, oh, hey, it's, it's okay, and pats us on the back. No, it means that if the tears, the tears shed because of injustice, God will bring justice. The tears shed because of mourning, God will bring comfort. The tears shed for whatever reason. The Lord will deal with them the way that the Lord knows best. And He will cause them to be redeemed and use them as an instrument for His glory that helps you who have shed them to understand the care and the love and the fatherhood of God in a, in a much better way than had you never shed those tears. That's what it means for them to be wiped away. What care? What care? And how does this all happen? 13 and 14 tell us how. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, who are these clothed in white robes and from where have they come? I said to him, sir, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. We stand sealed and secured on that day, the curse undone, our tears wiped away, standing in white robes that we've washed in the blood of the Lamb. See, the gospel is just woven through this chapter. We are kept safe from the final judgment, sealed, and then brought to eternal security because of the greatest act of judgment ever perpetrated that fell on the Lamb. Last week we celebrated Easter. The proof of God's love to His people. His multi-ethnic, multi-tribal, multi-peopled, multilingual gathering of a multitude that cannot be numbered. They're sealed and secured by the judgment that fell on Christ. Scripture says, Cursed. As anyone who is hanged on a tree, he became a curse for us in order to undo the curse for us. And make no mistake about it, when he hung on the cross, suspended between heaven and earth, it was not merely physical pain that he was experiencing. C.J. Mahaney has said, many died knowing intimately the horrific physical pain of crucifixion. No one died like he died. His suffering 
was unique because of why he suffered. Not for his sins, he was sinless. But for our sins. The sins of others. His death was unique because the purpose of his suffering was to ransom and free us from our captivity to sin. And in doing so, the greatest judgment of God was enacted on the Son of God. He, the greatest judgment, fell on the one who took the judgment for his people. So that we would be sealed and secured for eternity by the blood of the Lamb cleansing us. The cross is the good news that we take with us. And we we take that good news to that multitude that looks like everybody, that sounds like everybody, that comes from everybody. Why? Because every people, nation, language will be gathered around the throne on that day. So take the good news of the cross. The cross is the instrument that seals and secures the people from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Take it with you. Proclaim it loudly and proudly, knowing that by the cross, Jesus seals and secures his people for eternity. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, what a grace Revelation chapter 7 is to us today. What a grace, Lord, to see that you hold off in judgment until all of your people are sealed. And Lord, there may be some here today who have not yet been sealed. Lord, we pray that Your Spirit would would regenerate them now, would give life now, would give faith now, and that they would be sealed in this moment as they repent of their sins and look in faith to Christ, the One who died. As John says, take away the sins of the world. The Lamb of God sacrificed for His people. Let them look to Him now in faith, Lord. And for those who have faith and are weary of this sin-torn world, let them take renewed confidence in the security that they have and will one day experience because of the seal that they bear. Lord, encourage them, strengthen them. Help them by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.